following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Come on. Good morning, everybody. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, y'all had your coffee, hadn't you? Double espresso, yeah. That didn't come out of y'all just because you got up this morning. Y'all got some C4 in you or something, I don't know, but I don't drink that stuff. I don't need it. I just like to go on my own energy because I might drink that stuff and then get hooked on it, and then I'd be a hooked on something preacher. <laughs> what a joy to see on this June 6th, first weekend of what we call summer, and it, you're in the house, and we had a record attendance in first service. It looks like we're doing pretty good here in the second service today. Turn around to somebody and clap for them and say, I'm glad you're in church. <clears throat> I'm not going to be lengthy today, about two hours or so, so don't worry about it. No, I know when quitting time is. I know when the game's over. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to attempt today to preach something that the Lord has dropped in my heart. I'm going to simply call it, tell me about tomorrow. Tell me about tomorrow. I want you to say, Pastor, Pastor preach to me today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. And it's preaching time. So a doctor said to a patient one day, I have some bad news and worse news. Bad and worse. The patient says, so let's have it. The doctor said, the bad news is you're only, you only have 24 hours to live. The patient said, I can't imagine what could be worse than that. The doctor said, oh, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> if the entrance into the inferno is graced with the words, abandon hope. The entrance to God's house God's house should say, find hope here. It is the silent cry of the pew to the pulpit, hope. Pastor, we need hope in this hour. The postmodern world has dawned with a cold and sickly light. Pulpits should be like old lamplighters punching holes in the darkness. Words are the coins of the pulpit and spent correctly, they purchase people a brand new, brand new life. Alexander the Great said it this way, I would not fear an army of lions led by a sheep, but I would fear an army of sheep led by a lion. We have the lion of the tribe of Judah. Put that in your heart right now. Jesus is our leader. Pablo Picasso was a Spanish artist who sketched, sculpted, and painted his way into prominence in the early 20th century. And on rare occasions, he painted live portraits of faces of people. On one such instance was his painting of Gertrude Stein, one of America's foremost authors. Stein was born in Oakland, educated at Radcliffe, and also John Hopkins University. For most of her life, she lived in Paris, and there she would write. Too many, Gertrude's prose was unintelligible. To the elite, her words were sublime. Here's one of her famous statements. A rose is a rose is a rose. That's it. <laughs> or a Rex is a Rex 
is a wreck. Here's another one. When they are alone, they want to be with others. And when they are with others, they want to be alone. Wow. After all, human beings are like that. I think I'm going to go to writing prose like Gertrude. My attention today is not so much focused on Gertrude Stein or upon her words or her life story, but on the encounter she had with that great artist, Pablo Picasso. During the winter of 1905 and 1906, Gertrude Stein set for an exceptional portrait to be painted by the master. 90 times she sat before the canvas. 90 times Picasso grew frustrated. And finally, in frustration, Picasso said, I can't see you any longer when I look at you. I've been looking too long. So he packed up his brushes, paints, and canvases and returned home to Spain. And there he would continue working on the portrait of Gertrude Stein. By the spring, it was largely finished. And in the fall, the painting was unveiled. And here it is right now. And the onlookers were surprised. Stein was a very young lady when the master painted her. Yet the face staring from the canvas was one of a wizened woman wearing a somber, pensive face. Eventually, the lone voice courageously remarked to Picasso that Gertrude did not look like her portrait. And Picasso replied simply, she will one day. Indeed, as time passed, Gertrude became the image of this portrait right here. Thank you very much for the picture. Any artist can paint what is. And good artists can paint what once was. But only masters can paint what shall be. Today I look on the faces of partially completed canvases. No unfinished masterpieces in God's kingdom. And I see un unfinished, un incomplete canvases. And I pray that the master will allow me to catch a glimpse of what he sees for your future. May he use my words as brushes to preach to each of you, not as who you are and not as who you were, but as someday who you shall be. Amen. Anybody feel the gravitational pull of heaven on your soul from time to time? God's trying to give you a glimpse of your tomorrow. Tell me about my tomorrows, pastor, I'm going to. My mind goes back to a day when our Lord walked the dusty trails of life. Near the village of Capernaum, along the shores of Galilee, Jesus happened upon a young man busily fishing. Just what did Jesus see in Simon Peter? He must have seen an ambitious, aggressive entrepreneur. Already he owned several boats and had numbers of people working for him. In fact, if you go over there now and see his home, it was a massive home even in that day. Jesus said two words, follow me. And these two words changed Simon Peter's life. No longer did he fish for fish, but now he fished for men. And Simon was not a quick learner. <laughs> he was a little dull. He had a temper. He was vocal. He was pushy. And when he fell, he fell big. And when he shined, he shone brightly. His mistakes were as visible as his strengths were undeniable. So it was no surprise that in Simon's bundle of life, triumph lay so close to failure. And one day Jesus at Capernaum quizzed his apostles in Matthew 16. He saith unto them, but who say ye that I am? And Simon, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father 
which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Stop. Do you know you're in an unsinkable entity right now? It's called the church. Come on, it's an undefeatable entity right now. You're in the church. Clap your hands for God's church. And he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In the message version, it says this, and now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You're Peter, a rock. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. No more barriers between earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Folks, that's brilliant. What faith, what illumination into the role and character of Jesus Christ. The remainder of the disciples might've thought, wow, why couldn't I have been Simon Peter today and said those words? Yet a handful of verses later, the same Jesus rebuked Simon, called him Satan, get behind me. What's the difference? What is this? Is Simon blessed? Or is Simon cursed? Jesus saw the flawed human being who stood before him that day, yet superimposed over his present weaknesses was a bold image of his future strengths. Jesus sees things differently than we do. And however you're seeing yourself today, I'm sorry, it's probably not the way Jesus sees you today. Jesus sees you as a winner, winner, chicken dinner. He sees you as the greatest thing on this earth because you're God's kid. He sees you as being an overcomer. He sees you as being on top of the world and not the world on top of you. He sees you in the greatness that he has made you to be because he created you in his image. And the last time I checked, God is great. <laughs> and I'm telling you here today, everybody in this house, come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. So I'm gonna talk about three things. Three things today. The first thing I wanna talk about is the disappointment of now. Everybody say now. If one looks long enough at today, they'll be disappointed. Stephen Hawking, who was the crippled yet brilliant scientist, called this now, right now, a perfect storm. We're living in a time when good and bad swap, has swapped uniforms and someone has switched the price tag in the store of life. Evil reigns, evil reigns, hate reigns on earth. There's an open season on those who protect us. The forces of the Hebrew faith and the Muslim faith will be and are clashing even now. And it's just getting started. We're living on the precipice of the end time. But I want to declare something to people here today. Don't forget this. You might take a picture of it and put it on your refrigerator. A clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It'll never change. It must go through the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. I'm here to declare when the heat is turned up on you, God is saying, I'm purifying you to a greater degree than you could ever imagine. I'm making you what you never could believe possible. Regardless of how good the optimist sees or how bad the pessimist sees the present, there's always room for improvement. Say amen to that. Amen. The Bible said, now we see through a glass darkly. We have not yet arrived. However, most of our lives are not lived in these tensions. They are lived in the mundane. I read something the other day. It's been, oh, it's been several weeks ago now, but I read this. If you live to be 70 years old, or by reason of strength to 80, 
the mundanes of your life. Watch this. In those years, six months, you'll be waiting on stoplights for six months in those years. Eight months, you'll be opening junk mail, spend opening junk mail, and that's before email. You'll spend a year looking for misplaced objects. Unless you're me, you'll be about a year and a half. <laughs> or two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. You'll spend four years doing housework and five years waiting in line. Oh God, I hate waiting in line. You'll spend six years eating. Or if you're a bluebell fanatic, maybe seven. <laughs> in 70 years. That's what U.S. World and, and, and News and World Report said. Now it's filled with the mundane and the tedious. Now it's dominated by drudgery and often disappointment. Now in this present world, we can so easily be blinded from the fact that God is at work. He is at work. Now God is busy right now, right now changing us. And without this knowledge, our lives can get so tasteless. A perverting sense of emptiness creeps into our hollow shells. And from each day, we sense that we fall woefully short of the mark. And the creaking and the groaning in our bones and joints seems to be nothing more than the scales of life sounding sonorously. You've been weighed in the balance and found warning and that's what many people are dreading because they don't think they've got enough. Unnamed hope staring to mute mirrors and begging answers. Yet the present world offers no comfort. Now is the synonym for despair. And you know that. Peggy Lee, a famed jazz singer of yesteryear, won a Grammy award for singing of a person disappointed with the present. The song's title is a question, is that all there is? With a mixture of monologue and song, Peggy described seeing a fire as a child and seeing a house go up in flames when her raspy voice speaks from a decades gone by, is that all there is to a fire? Then she went to a circus and saw a lion tamer, taming a lion in all the beautiful costumes of the circus. And she said, when it was over, is that all there is to a circus? Then she fell in love and yet exiting from the roller coaster of emotion, she felt pensive and she said, is that all there is to love? And Peggy's haunting melody then espoused the Epicurean philosophy, is that all there is? Is that all there is? And if that's all there is, my friend, then let's just keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. Peggy, the problem is the conditional use of the word if. If that's all there is, then eat, drink, and be merry. But that's not all there is. Once again, this pastor will talk to you today and those that are listening via podcast. I remember when I was a six-year-old boy, I was raised in church. I had a drug problem, was drugged to church every time the doors was open. <laughs> and I still have those drugs in my body. I slept under the front pew many times. Church went long back in that days. I've been delivered from that, hallelujah. <laughs> but I remember an old preacher one day when I was a small boy, heard a man tell about a hereafter. Heard a man preach about a hereafter, hereafter. That there is a coming of Christ, that there is a catching away of the people of God and a moment in time that would eclipse the mundane and would work for us on our behalf if we loved and lived for God and would change the whole world's atmosphere of life as we know it. And I got a hold of something that time. At that time, I didn't know what it was, but I received a Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith, now faith. 
I received a now faith. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In the NIV it says now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What does it mean? It means that the only thing that will combat the now syndrome is now faith. I want you to act like you're holding a mirror up to you with your hand. And I want you to speak into that hand and say, my now faith is greater than the now syndrome. I have a God who said I can believe that all things are possible to them that do believe. And I'm going to take my now faith and let it conquer my now syndrome in the name of the Lord. In this synonym, in this, it is synonymous the now of today is synonymous with despair. Many of us are like Simon. All we do is make mistakes. We just keep doing the wrong things. Keep saying the wrong things. Stand up when we should be sitting down and run when we should be walking. Gaze long enough at today's mirror and you'll be disappointed in yourself. We need something else. Not just an uncertain present, but a certain future. We need a now faith today for hope of tomorrow. Everybody say now faith. Now faith. Second point I'm going to preach. <clears throat> I have three of them, so you know I'm, I'm getting closer. <laughs> tomorrow is filled with hope. Tomorrow is filled with hope. The Bible provides at best a mixed message concerning the subject of tomorrow. On the one hand, we are commanded not to worry about tomorrow. Banking on a tomorrow that may never come is risky business. Only today we can find salvation because the Bible said today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed hour. And only today is our promised day. And it's a day that God gives us strength. He gives us strength for today. So don't worry about tomorrow today. Just lean on the strength that God has for you right now. Yet the Bible also teaches us to live in confident expectation of the future. Luke chapter 21 said when trouble comes, we are taught to stand up and lift up our heads for our redemption draweth nigh. Now that doesn't always mean the Lord's coming. That means the Lord's coming with help for you. When you're up against something that you can't get out of, stand on your feet, lift up your head because your redemption, the presence, the, the response to your problem is drawing nigh. You've got a God right now. You've got a God in present day right now, but he's also a God that's coming for you one day down the road. Amen? Clap your hands to that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Oh, I love that. We're children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall become, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Corey Ten Boom was in one of those Nazi houses, death camps. And she made this statement and I've lived by it. She said, never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. Jesus looked at Simon and called him Cephas or a rock. There's hope in our tomorrows. It is as if Jesus was assuring Simon Peter, I see where you are today, but I also see where you will be tomorrow. He was given the keys of the kingdom he was a rock. He preached at Pentecost. He was a rock. He raised the dead and healed the lame. He was a rock. And if Simon Peter needed some hope, so do we. Hope is not a luxury. Hope is a divine commodity. It's no frills or fringes in it. It's standard operating equipment. We don't need a little hope. We need a whole lot of hope. 
Come on, clap your hands and say, I need some hope in my life. I need some hope in my life. Come on, let's have a praise break here. I need a hope in my life. I need some hope. I need some hope. I need some hope in my life. Come on. I need some hope. I need to get up in the morning hoping in God. Every day his mercies are new every morning. Faith is a gift from God. Faith gives us hope for the future. Faith is the way God looks at things. He calls those things that are not as though they are. He sees not only the present, he sees the future. He scatters hope seed, hope seed into the barrenness of the present and by faith it grows. In Isaiah 49, there's a powerful story. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. He spoke to the dispirited populace of Israel and their capital city that laid in ruins, Jerusalem. And Jerusalem walls were breached and broken and captivity had come to the Israelites. Yet God said, watch this, your walls are continually before me. Though the walls are torn down, I see them built back up. And though they look destroyed now, get over that fact that they are, I'm gonna build them back. You may see the present, God sees the future. You may see the problem, God sees the possibility. You may see the rubble, God sees the phoenix rising from the ashes. On wings of faith we soar into our tomorrows. Oh pastor, I've gone too far, I'm hopeless, God can't help me now. Stop that thinking, stop that thinking. If there's breath in your body, there's hope for you right now. Hallelujah. If you got up this morning, oh, I feel like preaching right now. If you got up this morning, there's hope for you. If you got to church today, there's hope for you. You're in the house of God. If you're listening online, there's hope for you today. Ah, yes. Samson fell, but God picked him back up. Jeremiah cursed the day he was born, but God lifted him. Elijah cried out that he might die, but angels came close to him and, and while he was discouraged because God sees you where you are. Don't give up on yourself. <laughs> I read about a man, the only boxer that ever did this in life, a man that went into a boxing match and was favored to win. And he had a big strong uppercut coming at the old boy and he missed and hit himself and knocked his own self out. The only man, read about him, C.D. Batson, the only man in history to ever knock himself out with his own punch. What I'm asking you to do is don't knock your own self out. Come on, don't knock yourself out. Oh, that's good, isn't it? We say that, don't knock yourself out. Hey, listen to me, Jesus loves you. Oh, let me preach, Jesus loves you. And there's hope in him. Come on, put your trust in Jesus today. There's hope in him. There's trust in him. There's victory in him. And not only is the disappointment of now, tomorrow is filled with hope, but God's word, number three, is a bridge from now to tomorrow. God's word. This thing right here is the bridge. This is what you can walk on right here, the word of God. Thy word is in my heart, David said, that I might not sin against you. This is the word that'll take you from here to yonder. And when you come on Sunday morning and hear the inspired word of God, come on Wednesday night and hear inspired Bible studies, you understand that this is the strength that you need. Oh, there's some vitamins in this. Amen. There's some good mineral water in this. There's some good stuff in this. 
His word is forever settled in heaven. In the beginning, God's word brought light from darkness. God's word proclaimed it still does the same. It is the preached word of God that brings light, life, and liberty. Witness Ezekiel in his vision of the valley of dry bones. When he preached, God moved and the bones became a mighty army. God took the ruins of the past and raised up the pride of the future. A boneyard became a battalion because God does it with his word. It's not the standard of the Picasso, yet it's eloquent. I'm gonna show you another photo now. It's a painting that shows an old burned out mountain shack. Put it up and all that remained was a chimney. In front of the destroyed home was a grandfather clutching a small boy who evidently was sobbing. And below the painting, there's these simple words. We didn't put it up because I wanted to share it with you. Look at this painting and find the words underneath it. It says simply, the grandpa hugging the grandchild. Hush, child. God ain't dead. That's what I want you to walk out of here with today. Hush, child. We're living in a pretty tough world, but God ain't dead. Hush, child. <laughs> but pastor, <clears throat> you don't understand my family. You don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand the per what I'm up against. Hush, child. God ain't dead. Pastor, I've come off drugs. I've been, I've been fighting drug habits for a long time and I've been sober for five years, but I'm feeling the edge to get back to it. Hush, child. God ain't dead. He's with you today. Pastor, alcohol has ruined my life. Alcohol has thrown me under the bus. I've been an AA member, but listen to me. Hush, child. God ain't dead. You've got a God that's greater than anything in this world. You've got a God. Pastor, my marriage is on the rocks. Pastor, things don't look good in my home. Hush, child. God ain't dead. I had a man come to me about a month and a half ago and say, Pastor, pray for us. We're going separate directions. And I prayed. And he came back two weeks later. He said, well, glory. I didn't have to ask what that's about. It was the, ma the marriage was all right. Hear me. It doesn't matter what's happening in your world right now. You understand there's a present and there's a future. And God's got something greater for you than you could ever imagine. And it comes by the word of God. You trust what a pastor's preaching today. God will give you victory. Hush, child. God is still alive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So say today, hush fears, God ain't dead. Hush protest, God is still alive. Peace to you white caps. He is awake, alert, and able. In fact, Isaiah said the whole earth shall be full of his glory. It's time for me to call it quits. I could preach a lot longer, but y'all can't listen that long. <laughs> An old mariner's chart was on display in the British Museum in London. It was originally sketched in 1525 and vaguely outlines the coast of North America and the adjacent waters. And the cartographer made some intriguing notations on certain unexplored areas of the map. He wrote, he wrote this, here be giants. Here be fiery scorpions. Here be dragons. The map came into the possession of Sir John Franklin, a British explorer in the early 1800s. And Franklin had a Christ walk. And scratching through the fearful inscriptions, he replaced them with these words. Here is God. May I say something to you? 
the only entity that fills the whole earth with time and space included. He is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He knows all, he sees all, he covers all, he's with us all. The only entity is the one I'm speaking about today, our God. And if you'll let him, he'll handle your past, preserve your present, and promote your future. That's what he'll do. That's what he'll do. So this is my calling today. I preach to you presently, to your present fears and point to you tomorrow's hopes. I preach to your present failure and say, by the grace of God, a brighter day is coming. And I preach to your current weakness and say, strength, great strength is on its way. I'm going to ask you to stay with me for the next two minutes. Would you mind standing? Simon Peter, you may deny Jesus, but hold on for tomorrow. Simon Peter, you may run, but hold on for tomorrow. Simon, you may fail miserably, but hold on for tomorrow. Some people think it's an indicative of a great failure in the life of Simon Peter. For three years, he followed Jesus. Then he denied the master on crucifixion night. And during the resurrection appearance, Simon can be found fishing on the same sea that he was fishing when Jesus found him. That's why he went back to fishing. This is where Jesus found me the first time. And if I'm fishing here, maybe he'll find me the second time. He found you, Peter. Even in your failure, he found you. And when he finished questioning you about your love for him, you got caught a glimpse of your tomorrow. And after you're converted, you'll strengthen others because conversion is coming. Tomorrow is on the way. Picasso painted Gertrude Stein, the Gertrude Stein of the future. Jesus paints our future today. He sees us as we are against the backdrop of what we shall become. Jesus said, I will come again. And when he comes, we're going to see him as he is because we're going to be just like him. He created us just like him. He's coming back for us just like him. Folks, listen. Listen to me. One of these days, I'm going to preach about the Bible characters. And I'm going to show you the flops and the fizzes and the horrible lives that many of them lived. And I'm going to tell you that God saved them. You listen to this pastor. Don't you discredit yourself. You had the strength and the courage and the might and the grace to be in God's house today. And you let a preacher preach to you and tell you, hush child, God ain't dead. He's alive. He's alive. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning and it was so strange. I had this song on my heart and I sung it. Now I can't sing, so please don't. I'm not we the kingdom. I'm Rex the preacher. Sometime. But I woke up this morning and I was singing, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. 
And on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hey, hey. Y'all just doing that because you love me. It ain't the singing. Y'all just love me. Thank you. Every now and then when I get in one of those now moments, I got to get some now faith. Mm. And I just start singing. I stand up and lift up my head and say, Redemption, I need you right now. Help me right now. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you a prayer of dismissal. But before I do, I'm going to ask those, nobody looking except the preacher. I'm going to ask those that perhaps would need the pastor to pray for something in your life. You need something. You need a today special. You need something now. Because the now syndrome is working on your now faith instead of your now faith working on your now syndrome. So I want you to raise your hand if you're one of those people all over the building. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, what a joy. Put your hands down. Now I'm going to pray a dismissal prayer. And I'm going to dismiss people. But in just a moment, I'm going to have you folks come down. I'm going to pray a special prayer over you down front here. Bow your heads and let me bless you. Dear Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for loving us when we're not lovable. And thank you for caring when we don't care. And thank you for appreciating us when we are closed mouth about giving you any praise the reason is you can't deny who you are you're God and you always are going to do God and sometimes we deny who we are and we don't do what we should do but you always do what you do God because you're God and I want people to understand as they walk out of here today I want them to understand that you're going to be with them you're going to be in their room when they lay down tonight you're going to be there waiting on them when they wake up in the morning you love them, your presence, this beautiful presence that you possess, that you send all over our world because you're omnipotent and you're omniscient and you're omnipresent. Thank you for it. And we love you today with all our heart. Now bless these people and give them a great Sunday and bring them back Wednesday to hear some old corn from Canaan. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.